Hello and welcome to Beyond the Page, a Life is Story podcast. I'm Josh Olds, and today I'm talking with Tom Ziegler, the CEO of Ziegler Inc. and the author of many books on on sales and leadership. Uh, But the one we're going to talk about today is 10 Leadership Values for Disruptive Times. Tom, welcome to the program. Hey, Josh. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Mm -hmm. Now, um, normally... I, I like to ask authors, why did they write the book they wrote? Uh, your book is about leadership in disruptive times. I have a pretty clear idea where your inspiration came from, why you thought this was a needed book. Uh, t- talk to me a little bit about the process of, of when did you decide, hey, we have enough data from all the work disruptions of the past couple of years regarding the pandemic. Uh, now's the time to to because there's a sense in which the you know a lot of people I think especially in the states I'm in the UK um, are just like you know the are thinking that the work side of the pandemic is over let's get back to normal um, but you're just now releasing a book about leadership in disruptive times is this disruptive time over or why is this book relevant now and not two you know two years ago yeah. <laughs> So first how the book came about, I my first book was Choose to Win, and I did a two-book deal with Thomas Nelson when we when we agreed. And I said, I don't know what the second book is. And they said, don't worry about it. You'll have a year. Uh, and so the end of 2019, I started writing that book. And then 2020, everything changed. So I got, uh, just like everybody, really uh, fascinated with all the business changes that were going on and started studying kind of the dominoes that that fell when we went home from work and there were lockdowns and remote and hybrid work kicked off and all these trends started happening. So I began to write the book really around this focus in April or May of, of 2020. And one of the components of the book is that not only is disruptive, disruptive times, not only has it happened, but it's only going to increase in frequency and intensity. Mm-hmm. And looking at the world stage, the convergence of technology, uh, now the headlines is supply chain and the great resignation. It just keeps going on and on. And the fact of the matter is, is that the world is just rapidly going through these disruptions. And so it's actually, I mean, the book would have been great six months ago or a year ago. But I think it'll be even more more powerful and more appropriate six months or a year from now, mm-hmm. just, just because the, the frequency intensity of change is going up. And the way people are deciding on where they work and how they work and the way leadership needs to adapt in order to meet those needs, that's a big deal. And it's going to take a generation to figure this out. Mm-hmm. I know that, you know, right when everything shut down, you know, almost immediately within months, there were dozens of books about how to live in the era of coronavirus and from business standpoint, spiritual standpoint, and and so on. It was just sort of like everyone's trying to figure out how to navigate this. And what I respect about this book is that it's not just a cash grab on here's this thing that happened. We got to talk about it. It's the end thing. Books will sell. Uh, but you're actually, you know, you've taken your time, you've done the research, you've, um, you, you know, it, 
this is something that is born out of COVID, but it's meant for something much larger than that. Um, we are not going back to normal in what the old normal was in the business world. Uh, what are some good things that you have seen come out of those changes that we've had to make? Yeah, well, here's the first one. And and I'll just, you know, I'm, I'm showing you my fist. If you're listening to this, just imagine I'm making a fist. Prior to 2020, the fist represents work. It was your career. It's what you did. It's where your identity was. And then everything kind of revolved around that, you know, your physical health, your mental health, your relationships, your family, all of even, even faith, a lot of times kind of work took center. That was the, the priority and everything else revolved around it. Well, the pandemic happens and we lose loved ones. Friends get sick. Our job uh, becomes uncertain. We might've changed careers. Uh, we had to go through a lot of uh, situations and trials. And then people started saying, you know what? Life is shorter than I thought. The younger middle age death became very real. And all of a sudden people said, I want my time here to count. I want to make a difference. I want to be a part of an organization, a business, a career that makes a difference. I want to see the vision and mission of the company that I'm with. I want to align with that. And I want to make sure that the virtues, the virtues is really the way we treat each other, line up with what I believe. And so now what you see is when you put the fist up, the fist is the core values. So now it's the mental and physical health. It's the faith, it's family, it's, it's all these different things. And that's the priority and work is starting to revolve around that. So that's a big sea change. So now people in this great resignation, which I call the great reimagination, <laughs> the great resignation is people are kind of like, well, gosh, I can make more money and have more flexibility, more autonomy doing something else. I can work from home. I think in the US, like close to 3 million women got, they went home from the pandemic and a huge percentage of them aren't going back to the job they had. They've created their own job. They're doing different things. People with disabilities, people who felt kind of on the outside, they're thriving in this environment. But I think it's because core values are at the center. And at Ziegler, we've been teaching this for five decades, that you've got to have balanced success. And so in balanced success, there's seven areas. There's the mental, the spiritual, the physical, the family, the financial, the personal, and the career. The second word I mentioned was spiritual. So this is what's more good news to me. The number one issue in large companies is the health and well-being of their employees. Mm they are starting to recognize that people have all these different dimensions and spiritual is one of them. So I see the spiritual conversation and faith, instead of being kind of a taboo, we don't talk about it here. It's now come to the understanding that that's an important uh, foundation and cornerstone in people's lives. And in order for them to be productive and perform at the highest level, they've got to be solid in that in order to do well in the job because business is finally figuring out that that quality of life equals quality of work. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's at the heart of your message here because your book is written to 
people who are in leadership positions that are like, what values do, and it's not um, a thing that I appreciated about the book. It wasn't like, here are the things you can tell the people that you work for, your, your employees, what they should do to work better. Uh, this is what you can do as a leader, what virtues you can have that you can model to uh, change your business structure or change, change the outlook uh, among your employees. Um, so you're writing about these, these virtues, and it really is about seeing the individual as more than just what they produce. They are more than just their job. hundred percent. What, uh, so, you, you know, you're starting to write the book. What did these values, like, obviously, I, when, I'm, when I'm thinking of it, uh, I, my background as a pastor, so I'm looking at it and I'm like, this is, this is very much from the fruits of the spirit. Um, you're, you're very much, um, it's not just like, this is the fruits of the spirit. We're putting it in a business context, but it's very much some of the same things and some of the same things are, are being played. So as you're developing these 10 virtues, uh, what was your process in saying, this is one of the things that I definitely have to talk about? Yeah. So actually, um, if it if it sounds like wisdom, it's because it's it's right out of First Corinthians thirteen. I mean, it's the love chapter, and the the book is broken into three components. The first component is mindset of a of a coach leader. The second is a coach leader walks out the ten virtues, which I got from First Corinthians thirteen, and then the third component is the intentional coaching conversation that coach leaders have to grow and develop their people. And so in the 10 virtues, you hear it all the time. And it doesn't matter whether it's Harvard MBA or, you know, the, the, the leadership book section at Barnes and Noble. Uh, one of the themes is, hey, you've got to have empathy. Hey, you've got to, you've got to love your people. The problem is, is nobody tells you how. Hmm. Right. And so when you walk out the 10 virtues, when you walk out, kindness, when you walk out humility, when you walk out self-control, when you walk out uh, respect and these different virtues that come right out of 1 Corinthians 13, instead of people wondering, you know, does he notice me? Does she understand I'm a human being first? Do they know that I've got a family and issues? Instead of them wondering that, they actually see your behavior and how you demonstrate the 10 virtues and they don't have to wonder whether you know who they are, like them, love them, care for them, because they can see it demonstrated. A Gallup poll study says that, you know, if you don't like your leader, you're going to leave for another position for the same or even less money. Mm -hmm. But if you have a good relationship with your leader and they're helping you grow and develop and you know that they care about you more as more than as a unit of performance or production, then it takes at least a 20% pay increase to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's not only the way we're designed for relationship. I believe we were created for relationship. And I believe it's a lie that says you can't work with your friends. You know, you're supposed to work with strangers. I think that's a lie. I think we are supposed to develop friendships wherever we go and care about people at a different level. And when that happens, and the environment and the atmosphere recognizes that a coach leader's responsibility 
is to encourage, equip, support, and help co-create a plan to develop each person on their team. That's when amazing things happen. And that's when a team that's growth focused can handle the disruption because it's changing so fast. If we're not growth oriented, we're going to get left behind. Yeah. Yeah. This is when I'm thinking about, you know, the great resignation, you've called the great reimagination. A lot of people, this is my experience that I've read stories about, or that I've talked to personally, it almost always boiled down to the way that they did not feel valued as an employee. They felt like they were a unit of production rather than part of um, part of a group that was making a difference or, or even just they, it, it, their, their job did not feel humanizing to them, regardless of what it was with the service industry, hospitality, um, I think, across the spectrum, regardless of whether this was a you know, minimum wage job or jobs in the, in the business sector or IT sector or things that are a little more lucrative, across the board, the stories that you heard were, we don't feel valued as employees. And, and this is a book that really is going to change that. So it's kind of sneaky because you say leadership for disruptive times, but these values will work just as well in, in any time. <laughs> They're timeless, you know. Which we gotta we gotta base our our faith and our decisions on things that never change, on truths that are always there. You mentioned the hospitality industry uh, just a second ago, and I actually I have a coach, and this coach uh, is a lady, and I wanted to learn more about the whole uh, segment of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and that's a that's a big word, that's a hot topic, and businesses are dealing with this every day. And so my dad, when, whenever he would speak, he, did, he didn't care who was in the audience. He didn't care if they were teenagers or in their 70s, if they were tech people or salespeople. He didn't care what country they were from, whether they were educated or uneducated. The only thing that he really wanted to do was to know how could he best communicate to them so they would take action so they would get a life change. Right. So there wasn't like, oh, I don't like to work with this or that. It was we've got to we've got to communicate the way they want to hear. And so I'm working with uh, this lady. Her name is Michelle. And she said, well, how would a coach leader help somebody like me feel included? And I said, what do you mean? And, and she's from Puerto Rico. She's I think she's in her 50s. And she said, well, when I started off in my industry in the East Coast uh, from Puerto, or Puerto Rican culture and a female, mm -hmm. I would have never raised my hand to volunteer for a project. Mm -hmm. I would have never gone into my boss's office and said, hey, I need a raise. Right. And she said it took me a lot of years to figure out, hey, I need to advocate for myself. I need to stand up. So what how would a coach leader? how would they uh, handle a situation like me? And I said, well, this is absolutely what a coach leader does. You see on the very first day, a coach leader, when they, when they bring somebody new on their team, they sit down with them and they say, Hey, I'm so glad you're on the team. You know, we interviewed you. We did the profiles. You're going to be a great fit. I just need to know, why are you here? What's your goal? What's your big dream? 
do you want to make more money at the end of the year than you are now? Do you want to, do you want to advance your career? Do you want a promotion or a raise? What, why, what is it that you want? And of course, you know, that person is going to be like, wow, this is, this is kind of like right up front. They're going to say they want more money. Right. I mean, that's hopefully they say that. And then as the coach leader, you say, fantastic. I want to pay you more money in order to do that. You're, contribution to the business needs to be such that we are more profitable and we grow because of what you do. And if we do that, then we're going to pay you more money. Does that sound fair? And that individual is going to be like, well, yeah, that makes sense to me. If I contribute more, I should be compensated more. And so what happens is, is that coach leader goes into that relationship only focused on that one team member. It's their background and everything else. It's just what it is. They discover what their goals are, what their dreams are, what the why behind the why is. And then the coach leader says, great, I want to pay you more money. Let's figure out how you can become a more capable, more productive team member tomorrow than you are today. And I will help you get there. Does that sound good? Well, absolutely, that sounds good. And so when you talk about this situation with, with Michelle, she never would have had, she, she would have short-circuited that. She didn't have to wait to figure out how do, I, how do I participate in this culture because the culture comes to her. And the culture comes to her with, you're a valuable part of the team. We want to help you grow. And we know that if we help you grow and hit your goals and dreams, you're going to be better and do better in your role, which is going to help the company hit its mission and vision. Yeah. One of the terms that you, you keep using is coach leader. And I want you to unpack that a little bit and tell me why uh, that particular use of the word coach, how that informs the style of leadership you're talking about. Yeah. So let's, I'm going to give you kind of the coach leadership model and it's really simple. There's six words that uh, that you've got to remember, very easy. Coach leaders choreograph the dance between autonomy and authority. Okay, so people, individuals, workers, team members, they want as much autonomy as they can get. I mean, think about it. They want flexible schedules. They want to work when they want, how they want, where they want to work. That's why so many people are quitting and finding new roles that allow them to work remotely or hybrid. This thing just goes on and on. And so on the team member side, I, I kind of say there's two types of team members. There's purpose-driven team members, and then there's pleasure-driven team members. A purpose-driven team member, so if you're a coach leader, if you're a leader and you're thinking about your team or you're on a team and you're looking around, purpose-driven team members, they have a plan. They have a bigger why. They have a dream. They're they're doing certain things in a sequence to grow and develop because there's meaning to it. They want to support a cause bigger than themselves. They want to do well financially. They want the house. They want to send their kids to college. They've got some plans. The pleasure-driven person is somebody, Gallup says, they're the, they're the disengaged. 66% of the workforce is disengaged. Only 34% are engaged. Disengage means, you, you know, you get there barely on time, you leave a little early, you're checking social media, you do only enough to keep your job. 
And it's because they don't see a connection between what they do on the job and their dreams. They're, they're, they're not connected. And so at Ziggler, we call these type of people zombies. Zombies have a brain disease. <laughs> they don't dream. They don't care because they have no dreams. So now we go over to the authority side and there's two types of managers or leaders, the accountability leader and the control leader. The control leader is the top-down hierarchical, do it because I said so, command and control, all about results, all about delegation. My name for them is the T-Rex. Mm -hmm. Sharp teeth, short arms, the short arms signify or, or, or you know, that the, they like to keep everything close. This is the history of leadership. It's been going on for generations. This was their traditional style of leadership. It doesn't work well on a camera. Right. You can't, nobody likes to be told what to do. We like to be asked. The accountability leader is what I call the coach leader. And here's the question, that, here's, the, here's the long answer to the question you asked. So how does a coach leader develop their people? You see, a coach leader is focused on the goals and growth and mission of the business and the goals and growth and dreams of their people. And they know that if they can help their people achieve their goals and dreams, it's automatically going to happen. The business does well, that it achieves its mission and growth. And so how do they do that? Doc Rivers is an example that I use in the book, and he's a, he's a legendary basketball coach, and he's known for leading people who make more money than he does. That's a hard thing to do. And they asked him, how come you're such a good coach? And he says, well, I just meet with my my team one-on-one. -on -one. What do you say to him? They asked. He said, well, I ask them, what are your goals for the season? And in the NBA, when a player gets a contract with a team, the agent negotiates it and there's a base salary. And then there's all these incentives and bonuses. You know, you play a certain amount of minutes, you score a certain number of points, you get a certain number of rebounds and they get bonuses every time they hit one of those. And so Doc Rivers says, I just let my players talk and they tell me what they want to accomplish. And then I say, well, when you accomplish that, why is that important? And then they tell me why it's important beyond just the financial. And then he says, wow, that's a great plan you have. Is it okay if I hold you accountable to your goals? And this is the key. So if you're a leader and you want to be a coach leader, you build a relationship with each person on your team. You find out what their goals and dreams are. You ask them if they want to make more money and they'll probably say yes. And then you say, hey, I'd like to help you do that. I'd like to pay you more money. And then you ask them the simple question, what can you do to demonstrate the right kind of attitude, the right kind of effort, the right kind of skill that would help you make more money? And you let them talk. You let them say, oh, I need to work on this. I need to work on that. And then you co-create a personal and professional development plan that they own. Okay, this is the key. Coach leaders, just like Doc Rivers, he didn't put the plan in front of them. The player created it and owned it. When you own your own plan, you're more likely to follow through on it. 
And then the coach leader says, that's a great plan. That's going to work. Is it okay if I hold you accountable to your plan? And that is when the power happens. That's when lives are changed. And so the interesting thing is, is people want autonomy, but a coach leader's role really is to develop, encourage, equip, and support their people so much for the sole purpose that they can give them as much autonomy as possible. I think it's, it's so important. And I, you, you mentioned that you can't be that T-Rex leader on a screen. And I think that's what, that's what drove so many companies to say, okay, we need to get back into the office as soon as, you know, as soon as legally possible, as soon as lockdowns were lifted, let's get back in the office. Um, what, what can leaders do if they've been in that mindset and even through this disruption hasn't changed that mindset? What, what might be the key to get them to say, oh, this obviously, this isn't, this is this leadership style. It makes me feel like I have authority. It makes me feel empowered, but it's really not getting the same results as if I gave my team members more autonomy. Yeah. And this, so this is a question. So, so how does quote unquote, a T-Rex leader convert into a coach leader, right? That's the, and that's probably the number one question I get from people. Hey, I like this idea. I think I'm a coach leader, but I report to a T-Rex leader. <laughs> what can I do? How do I persuade them? And there's a couple of things you can do. And it's funny, but you can lead up. You can, you can go to your leader, your manager, and you can lead them. And a great question to ask them is this. So tell me, if we have a great year this year, what does that mean for you? And hopefully that leader will say, oh, well, you know, get a bonus, keep my job, get a promotion. Fantastic. And if you did that, what does that mean to you? And so you're actually coach leading them from that position. And hopefully they'll, they'll start to see, uh, they'll start answers like, oh, I'll, I'll be able to buy that vacation home or I'll be able to take that trip or I'll, you know, put my grandkids through school or, or whatever it is that they're saying. And then you ask them the next question, which is, you know, I've been reading a lot and would, it, would you have a better chance of success if, if you had the team totally on board with what you're trying to do? Oh yeah. I th you know, of course we would. Well, there's a new way. I mean, people have changed this, this leading over a camera, this, you know, the remote and hybrid and headquarters blend of workers today, it makes it real difficult. There's some powerful ways to get people on board and focused. Does that sound interesting to you? And so you're almost being a coach leader to the person you report to. And they have to say, you know what, that does, I am interested in learning that. But until you understand their why, there's going to be little effort for them to make a change, except for now, people are very receptive. And the reason is simple. Retention is very difficult. They're losing top performers. Uh, in fact, there's a whole, it, it's part of the great resignation. This is really interesting. A bunch of people in their 55 to 65-year-old age group their 401ks have done really, really well. And a lot of them are taking early retirement 
because they don't want to go through the change. <laughs> they don't, they don't want to go through this. But the problem is, is now everybody's getting these battlefield promotions. Mm -hmm. uh, younger leaders are being promoted up. They're given more responsibility, but they haven't been taught how to lead correctly. And so the question is really this, uh, do you want to attract, develop and keep top performers? Do you agree that's the number one challenge? And if the answer is yes, then you got to learn how to catch unicorns. And that's the big one. And the, the unicorn story is really simple. And this is a great analogy. I was coaching uh, a young uh, real estate uh, investor, probably 34, 35, multimillionaire. And he said, uh, he said to me, he said, you know, I think I want to get married. And I said, well, that's good. And he said, he said, but I got to start dating first if I'm ever going to get married. And we both laughed. And I said, well, yeah, usually dating yeah. comes before marriage. And he said, um, I want to, uh, you know, when I date, uh, you know, I want to make sure it's the right person. And I said, well, describe the perfect wife for you. And so he had the list. Okay. And so if you've been single and you're wanting to get married, we all have the list. Right. And so smart, funny, good looking, athletic, you know, all these good sense of humor, kind, compassionate. He listed the whole list. And then he looked at me real serious. And he said, I just described a unicorn, didn't I? Like they don't exist. And I said, well, maybe he said, well, how do you catch a unicorn? I said, oh, that's the easy part. It's hard, but it's easy. He goes, well, how is that? I said, you become a person who attracts unicorns. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a coach leader and you're seeing all this disruption and it's hard to keep people on the team and you're, there's disengagement going on and burnout. And by the way, burnout can happen for people even with great leadership, right? Because things go on. That's why quality of life is so important now that we've got to support that. But you, why don't you just write down all of the attributes that you want in a top performer? Just write them down. And then ask yourself, what kind of a leader would attract that person to my team? Mm -hmm. And then go compare that list to the 10 virtues that are in the book and tell me if it's not a pretty close match. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things you talk about in the book is coaching people toward a work-life balance. And that's, that's, that's so huge because people don't want to feel like, hey, I go to work for eight to 10 hours a day. I have just a couple of hours to do my basic life functions. I sleep, I come back and I do it all over again. Um, they want to feel like they are flourishing in their life and work should be a part of that. But I think particularly if they're not feeling it at work, if they don't feel like they're flourishing at work, it becomes even more important to feel like I have to be flourishing somewhere else. If they are flourishing at work, there is still that need to feel fulfillment and uh, time to rest and everything else that creates a well-rounded life. Um, as a leader who is in charge of the work section of that, 
um, how do you facilitate finding a balance with really the things you can't control, which is their life uh, aspect of it outside of the job? Yeah, I'm going to give some, some, some different ways to approach this. Um, the first is a story. I was talking to a friend and, and we were talking about business and how it had changed. And he was telling me how it had changed for him. And then he said, yeah, and I've got a friend who sells testing equipment for Siemens. And he's made more money in the last two years than he's ever made in his career. I said, really? And he said, yeah, he, he, he normally he would travel three days a week, a lot of it international. And he hasn't been on a trip in two years, but he's making more money. And I said, wow. And he goes, why do you think that is? And I said, well, tell me more. And he said, well, he spends half his time in his beach house and the other time, the other half his time at home. And he works from both of those places. And I said, so what you're telling me is he gets to control what he eats. He can cook his own food. He can work out on a daily basis. He's spending time with his, his, his spouse, his kids and his grandkids He's got control over his schedule. He can see three clients in a day on Zoom when it used to take three days to see one client. Mm -hmm. So help me understand, how can his brain not be operating at a higher level with this standard of quality? And, and he's like, yeah, you're right. And so here's the first thing. When we have a remote team or people who used to work in the office and now they're working a lot, uh, hybrid it's really blurred. Like, when does the day start? I mean, do you answer your first uh, text or email at five or five thirty when you get up in the morning? And then, if you've got a team that's on the East Coast and West Coast, as the coach leader, you got to be real careful when you plan your meetings because if you plan it at three o'clock West Coast time in the afternoon, that's right in the middle of dinner on your East Coast team. So you've got to be aware of that. And so you might need to put in some guardrails that say, hey, guys, nobody answers email after six o'clock at night, your local time. Nobody does this. And, and, you know, there are exceptions. Here's what they are. I think it's France just put in a rule mm -hmm. that says that you can't do email uh, after a certain time. Uh, I don't see that coming to the United States anytime soon. But I'll tell you what. The Americans might laugh that off, but there's actually a lot of wisdom in that, <clears throat> right? When you, when, when people know that you guard and protect who they are as an individual, that you, that you see them for who they are and you make their physical life, their, their family life, their, their health, their hobbies. Uh, when you give those priorities and how you do business, Burnout is a lot less likely issue to deal with, and it's much more difficult for them to be hired away by the competition. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it's about. It's developing, keeping top performers who, who scale into and grow into coach leaders. That's what we want. Mm -hmm. So it's part practical, right? I got to set rules up that allow for quality of life. And then it's also really smart because if somebody's solid, if they're in good physical health, they got good relationships at home, they're getting plenty of sleep, they're eating the right kind of food, they're just going to be more productive. Quality of life really does equal quality of performance. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll make this the last question for you and then I'll, I'll let you go. Uh, there, there's this idea that if you are a leader, uh, particularly if you're at the top, 
then you have to be lonely, that there's no one for you to relate to, um, particularly in your work environment, that you can't have relationships or be friends with those uh, who are under you. Uh, what's your what's your perception and perspective on that in the workplace? Wow, uh, you know that's kind of like a self-imposed prison um, to me. Um, one of the studies that I read is that people at the highest level of leadership, the reason that they have a moral failing mm -hmm. is they don't have one true friend that knows their heart, who's also an accountability uh, partner with them. So what happens with isolation is you also don't get an accountability partner. You also don't get somebody, I've got a good friend, his name is Bob Bodine, and he's written a couple of books as well. And he says, a true friend knows the song of your heart and can repeat the words back to you when you forget them. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to be real careful to nourish friendship. And the friendship that I'm talking about, it doesn't have to be in the business per se, but there isn't any reason why you can't have friends in the business that you're in. Mm. But think about the qualities that we talk about, humility and kindness. I mean, those are the bedrock of great relationships. And when you exhibit those and, and display those humility, just a quick example, there's a, there's short-term confidence and there's long-term confidence. Short-term confidence is based on what I do, the results I just got. We had a great day yesterday. I'm very confident. Long-term confidence is when a leader says, I don't know all the answers, but wow, do I have a team? who together knows how to ask the right questions and figure out the answers. Mm -hmm. And so that humility of being able to be transparent in front of the team, hey, everything just got disrupted. Our whole business has changed. What are we gonna do? Let's figure this out. That type of relationship creates respect, which then grows into friendship at different levels. And so it gets lonely when you think you have to have all the answers but it becomes a community and a fellowship when you're all in it together. Hmm. You might be the leader. You might have to make the tough calls and do what's best for the organization. But if you, if you become the coach leader and walk out these 10 virtues, friendships are going to be part of the package. Hmm. Well, Tom, I want to thank you for taking your time out of your day to be on the podcast. And again, the book is 10 leadership values for disruptive times. Uh, it is available now, so pick it up wherever you purchase your books from. Uh, it's a it's a thoughtful piece. Uh, it's practical. It's not just theoretical, uh, but hopefully it'll it'll help you rethink some of the ways in which you lead, uh, particularly in this time. But not just for this time, uh, for this new this new normal we're trying to create because the old normal wasn't great for everyone. That's right. Thank you so much, Josh.